Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we're able to come together as a community to encourage each other in this journey of faith. We thank you that you, through the, the life of Jesus, you have given us life. Be with us as we reflect on our readings and this area of temptation and how you speak into this area. Lord, may your Holy Spirit help us. May your Holy Spirit guide us where we need guiding, correct us where we need correcting, and comfort us where we need comforting. Be with us during this time, and help us to see how your calling for us is not just a calling to be in a relationship with you, but to be in a relationship with you and each other. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. When you think of temptations, I'm not quite sure what you think of, but sometimes we think of the bad stuff, right? The stuff that trips people up and makes life miserable for people. You know, and we have a couple of groups that uh, meet here regularly. We have AA and NA who use our hall um, quite uh, just about every day, at least one of those groups is used, sometimes two times a day. And they meet to help people with addictions and. particularly with alcohol and narcotics. And I spoke to one of them during the week and he said to me, look, he said, I need to come here because I fall into temptation so easy. I need the support and encouragement that comes from this group. And he said, the thing is, they keep talking about a higher power. And he goes, that helps me as well. But often, and often when we think of temptations, we only think of the bad things, but... um, And we often think of bad people being tempted, or weak people. Well, some years ago, in my first congregation, I used to visit a lady um, at home who couldn't come, couldn't come to church at all. She was homebound. And about every six weeks when I'd visit her, she'd say to me, Pastor, I have been terrible. I'm a terrible sinner. I have been tempted and fallen into temptations. Now, the first few times that I visited her, I thought, she is just blowing things out of proportion. She's stuck at home. She doesn't leave home. How on earth could she do anything too bad? Even though there was some sin there, and I recognised that, but how on earth? And so I then one time went and asked her, and I said, tell me why you think you're so bad and tempted. She said, well, I'm isolated here. And when I'm isolated, I start thinking not of good things of people, but bad things. Have you ever been in a situation where you're waiting for someone to contact you and they delayed and they haven't responded and you start thinking bad of them or you start thinking the worst outcome? Well, that was what's going through her mind. You see, temptations are not just for that people with don't just come to temptations who are bad people. They're part of our lives. Every day we have temptations around us. And today's story from Jesus shows, will help us to see what happens from God's perspective when temptations. There's two things that we'll uncover, unpack, or two main areas. One is particularly this area of how to respond to temptations, but also more importantly, What does God do when we fail? Fail and succumb to temptations. Verses 8 to 10 of today's reading says this, Again the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendour. 
All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When we think of temptations, the thing we need to first remember is that temptations have a perspective. I've come across some people who say, I'm never tempted. And they continue, I'm so good, I'm never tempted. And sometimes I've gone, hmm, you've fallen into one temptation already, the temptation of pride. Well, temptations have a perspective. If I want to lose weight, not lose weight, lose weight, the temptation is beautiful, tasting, sugary, fat-filled, fat food. Right? Just this week, I went out and had coffee. And that was my intention, to only have a coffee. But as I ordered my coffee, there was these nice-smelling almond croissants. And I thought, that's good enough for breakfast. And I have it. Right? So the temptation, if I so that's that perspective. But being a Christian, and some people don't understand this fully, but being a Christian, the temptation is anything, any idea, any people that lead us away from a healthy relationship with Jesus, his mission, and other believers. So whenever we have an idea, a thought, or people are encouraging us not to have a healthy relationship with God, his mission, and not to have a healthy relationship with other believers, that's a temptation. And for Jesus, the perspective was, anything, any idea, any people that leads him away from the Father and the mission the Father had given him. When we think of Jesus and temptations, we often think of this story. This story is quite well known by people. Jesus in the wilderness and being tempted for 40 days. However, if you go further in the New Testament, you'll uncover a couple of other times Jesus is tempted. One of those, Peter tries to tempt Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to suffer and die. In other words, take the easy road of life for you now, rather than be focused on your mission. And that's something that we can all fall into, is to find the easy path for life, the quick easy path, rather than be focused on God's mission, his long-term mission. The Pharisees also tried to tempt Jesus as well. And so keep in mind, temptations have a perspective. For us as Christians, it's... Anything, any idea, any people that lead us away from a healthy relationship with Jesus, his mission and other believers. Yes, we may be tempted to commit a particular sin, but the most disastrous thing for us as Christians is to be led away from a healthy relationship with Jesus. So something to ponder. What is tempting me away from Jesus? His mission he has given us and other believers. What tempts you not to be fully focused on Jesus, his mission that he's given you, and 
having a relationship with other believers. And the second thing is, how does Jesus' response to temptation help me now and in the future? I encourage you to continue to think about that. How does Jesus' response to temptation help you now in your daily life, but also in the future? To understand today's text, let's look at the perspective, let's look at the context. The biblical context is this, is that um, it's fairly early in Jesus' ministry. We've had John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus to come. Jesus has come and is baptised, and when he is baptised, the Father has said to publicly from heaven, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then straight away, after he's baptised, something strange happens if you have a warped view of God. If you believe that God loves you and therefore won't let anything bad happen to you or difficult happen to you, you'll think the next thing is very warped. Because what happens in the very next scene from this reading is that it says in verse 1 of chapter 4 that the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness. And it's here where he's tempted or tested, and I'll come back to the, the play between those two. But think about it. Right? We would think it's the devil. But it's no, it says here that Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And so there must be something holy happening if Jesus is led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And then after his time of wilderness, his ministry begins. He relocates a short distance to Capernaum and begins preaching. And then he calls his first disciples. And then his healing ministry begins. And so his ministry takes off. So this wilderness starts to prepare. The baptism and the wilderness have a preparation for his ministry. Now, for some people, when it comes to Lent, they fast. I don't know if you've chosen to do anything for fasting and what you do with it. Um, I know of one pastor who didn't fast during Lent, but he wanted to have a spiritual retreat, and he fasted for seven days and basically had very basic food and water for seven days. And the purpose was to prepare him further for ministry, to focus more on God's word, and to spend more time praying. If you are ever interested in fasting, um, it's a good thing to do, but what that pastor has said is make sure you seek two advices. Seek the advice of another pastor and also seek a doctor's advice because for some people, that type of fasting is not healthy at all. The other, one of the other key things to understand today's reading is that it draws a lot from, Jesus draws a lot from Deuteronomy chapter 6 to 8. Deuteronomy chapter 6 to 8 is, just, is the Old Testament, just after the Ten Commandments have been given. And Moses is addressing the Israelites who are currently in the midst of 40 years, not 40 days, 40 years of wilderness as they go to the Promised Land. And the three, type, three quotes that Jesus has in response to Satan's tempting all come from Deuteronomy 6 to 8. The first is, Jesus answered, it is written, 
Man shall not live on bread alone, but on the very word that comes from the mouth of God. And that is verse 3 of chapter 8. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, that is Satan, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And that's verse 16. And this response is is, is in response to Satan quoting scripture to Jesus to try to trick him up. And this is why learning scripture, knowing scripture, continually being involved in Bible studies and devotions is important because we get an understanding of the whole context of scripture and we're able to respond to people who sometimes misquote scripture. And then verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Deuteronomy 6 to 8 is important to understand this today's reading. And I encourage you to go home today and just read through chapter 6, 7 and 8 of Deuteronomy and at the same time read Matthew 4, 1 to 11 and just see how there's some correspondence because of these quotes from Jesus. The other word to, that creates some interesting situation in today's reading is this word I can't pronounce it properly in Greek. Renee at Redeemer could. Um, it basically it mean, can mean one of two things. It can mean tempted or it can mean tested in Greek, from the Greek. One scholar put it this way. When we use it to say Jesus is tempted, we're expecting a failure. We're expecting someone to be brought down. But when we say someone is tested, we're expecting success that that person will be improved. So Jesus in the wilderness could either be tempted or tested. So a bit of a look at the reading. The reading, as I said, begins with Jesus' temptation testing took place in the wilderness. The wilderness is an isolated place. Moments... And moment, those sort of moments are often times of tempting. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been isolated? Maybe you've been sick. Maybe you've been away from people. Maybe you've been in the bush. Maybe it may have been a case someone's isolated themselves from you. Remember a few years ago, I was waiting for a government department to respond to something. And I thought it should have taken two days, and it took more than that. And I felt isolated. Now you can tell, I can tell you what I started to think. I probably shouldn't say everything, but I I wasn't too happy with the bureaucrats. And I thought they're being lazy, they're stalling. And then I started to think it's not nothing good's going to happen, and what's all this bad? And then it started to be like, God, what's going on? I started to blame God for the delay just turned out it was a normal delay in process. What about you? Have there been times when you've been isolated? When you've been in the wilderness? When you've faced temptations? And one of the, the classic temptations when this happens for a lot of Christians is to start to blame God or even drift away from God. And yet, 
For Jesus, it's a strengthening time. And then we see, for the rest of the reading, Satan tempting Jesus. And he does it in a number of ways. The first is he does it by offering to give him basic needs, to basically encourage him to turn the stones into bread. So just fulfil those basic needs. The second is that he tests him to prove his identity by his circumstances. He says, if you're really the son of God, God will save you. In other words, we might translate it, if God really loves me, he wouldn't let you go, be hurt or go through this mess. And the third, he's, he's offering him a secure and glorious future. He says, all this could be yours if you just bow and worship me. I'd like you to think about is how might you be tempted away from God in similar ways? How might you be tempted away from attending church and being part of the, the church community? How might you be tempted away from God and the way of life he is? Sometimes we're tempted from a physical way, being tempted physically away from God and his community. There are other things that are more interesting to us that pop up. But sometimes we might still attend church or be part of the community but we attempted away from God in his approach of life. Instead of love and forgiveness and mercy and grace being the dominant features in the way we live, judgment or pride becomes more important. And so I encourage you to think of it. What are the basic needs that tempt you away from God? And I've had someone say to me in my ministry that oh, I can't come to church and belong to church, I've just got to work. I've got to work to put money on the table. And if you find that you're in that situation, I understand that money, you know, particularly in Sydney, money is an important commodity that we need. But it doesn't mean to let your relationship with God go. One of the challenges I often have with um, confirmation students is that we give them some work to do while they're doing confirmation in between gatherings and they'll say to me, Oh, I have got too much schoolwork. I've got to focus a lot on school. I haven't got time for this. And my response is often, confirmation is a time of helping you develop some habits and time to attend to that work. Because as you get older, it's not going to get easier. Go and ask your parents. The second thing is, think about times where you allow your circumstances what's happening to you now, to paint the picture of God for you. In other words, if life is going well, you think, oh, God's blessing me. If life's going terrible, God doesn't love me. And that's a real temptation for us. Well, what Jesus does, he goes back to his baptism, basically, and says, I'm not going to look at the current circumstances. But I'm going to rely on this message that God had for me, that the Father had for me. You are my son with whom I'm well pleased. And God has said the same message to you when you were baptised. When you were baptised, God said, you are my child whom I love. And thirdly, think about, and this is probably the most common thing that happens 
for many Christians is the enticement of a better life, of something better. And being more focused on that and actually dismissing God and saying God's grace, God's love, God's mercy is not relevant. God's way of life is not relevant for me today because it won't let me get this better life. It's not actually true, but that's how a lot of people, a conclusion that a lot of people come to. So think about how might you be tempted away from God in similar ways. Well, let's look at Jesus' response to temptation. First of all, is it he relies on his relationship with his Father. Throughout his, all his responses is because he's relying on his relationship with his Father. He's not relying on his own strength. He's not relying on himself. He's not relying on circumstances around, but his relationship with his Father. And he goes and qu- starts off by quoting Scripture particularly this Deuteronomy 6 to 8 that the verses come from. And this is why it's important for us to continually be engaged with Scripture and reading. What I find is I, I regularly reading and things stick to mind and then I'll instant will happen in my life and I'll be able to share part of Scripture of what God may be saying. But it also helps when people misuse Scripture to either encourage sin or to dismiss God. So I encourage you to, to, to use scripture as well. Secondly, his focus is on the eternal heavenly blessings and not the earthly blessings. Thirdly, he accepts the promises of his father rather than relying on his circumstances. If you're going through a difficulty now, it's very easy, and I've been through this myself, where, it's, where you go through a difficulty and you think, oh, this is the end of the world, and you think the picture is so big and daunting and you're not going to get through it. And yet, once you go through it, you realise that big picture was only really the size of your fingernail and only part of another bigger picture. And that... Psalm 23 is true because God was with you through those difficulties. And that's the encouragement. That's the the biblical perspective of God when trouble happens. It's not because he hasn't loved you. It's not because he has deserted you. But he is with you through those difficulties. And then lastly, he focuses on God. Rejects focusing focusing and worshipping Satan and worldly things and even himself. His focus is on his father. And so that encouragement is is the way he's dealt with temptations. And so I encourage you to think is, how does Jesus' response to temptation help you in dealing with temptations? Could these be something that will be helpful to you? Particularly temptations that are going to lead you away from God. To, under, to memorize scripture, to know scripture, to focus on the eternal heavenly blessings well above the earthly blessings, to accept the promises of the Father, knowing that He loves you continuously, even though you might be going through something difficult. And He has promised 
that you are his child and to focus on God and worshipping him rather than focus on worshipping other things, whether it be money, career. Now, all those things are part of life, but they, they become difficult, become dangerous when we put those above God. But even if we were, even with these things, we still have a problem. Even if we work hard at resisting temptation, and I say, we, and I believe we should, we've still got a problem. And that problem is we are not Jesus. Some of us might think we are Jesus from time to time, but it's important to remember we are not Jesus. At times we will give in to temptation. But the good news is, because Jesus did not give in to temptation, we have hope and a future. We have hope in a future that helps us remember that God doesn't desert us. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, the bottom of the slide's been cut off, says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. If you're a person that struggles when you fall into temptation, remember God still loves you, hasn't deserted you. Remember what Jesus did on the cross is guaranteed to work because he didn't fail, fall into temptation. He went to the cross sinless. Which means he didn't go to the cross to pay for his sins. He went to the cross to pay for your and my sins. So what does this mean in living without our faith? First of all, when it comes to wilderness times in your life, yes, there'll be times of temptation. But also view them as times of testing and growth. And the irony is most of the time we don't see that until we're out of them, in hindsight. Think about them as spiritual times. Ask the question, what is God going to do in this situation? The second thing is recognise what is leading you away from God, his mission for you and his community. If you are like most Christians, you'll have times in your life where you feel led away from God. Other things will be more enticing. Work, money, career, family, all good things. But they become a problem when we allow those to override God. Thirdly, focus on God, his mission for you, and less on yourself. And lastly, recognise that even though you give in to temptation, because Jesus didn't, you still have a good relationship with God. You are forgiven. May you go with that peace and may you go with that love. Amen.